Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This is an Unspoiled Network podcast. This is Spoil Me, covering... One Piece, the live-action series from Netflix, Season 1, Episode 6, The Chef and the Chore Boy. In this episode, we get to see exactly what went down with Sanji and Zeph, and it is the manga version this time, kids, which means self-cannibalism! Yay! Welcome to Spoil Me! Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. Thank you very much to Gabby for commissioning this episode. Um, I am, as usual, just continuing to be delighted with this fucking show and everything that it is choosing to do. And I was really positive that they were going to go ahead and do the self-cannibalism thing. And I'm glad to see that I was right. It seemed like the show, if it was going to be willing to have characters actually die... It, there was no reason they wouldn't go ahead and do that part, you know. So, yeah, y'all. Oh, and Florian's here. Hi, Florian. Yay, somebody's here. I'm recording a little bit earlier in the day than usual because it is Halloween and I wanted to have the evening. So I am recording at 1 instead of at my usual 4 o'clock. Um, so this episode was, a, a, like, a really fun one. I am pleasantly surprised at the actors that they have found to play the younger versions of all these characters as well so that we have a lot of time that we spend with young Sanji and Zeph and I thought that it was really solid you know that's a tricky thing um so what the theme of this episode is is the captains have to make the hard choices and Luffy sort of gets a taste of what making the choices that he wants to make what the consequences of that will be for good or ill and we start oh my god down no sorry guys he's uh, wanting to be a little bit involved here today um, he the the opening of this episode, we pick right up where we had, you know, I was going to say picked up where we picked up. But indeed, we picked up Zoro and are carrying him below decks to get him some emergency care. And Luffy is just standing there watching this unfold as Nami, like, opens up Zoro's shirt and we see the slash on his chest and how just... The thing that's kind of funny for me is that as much as this slash is terrible, it isn't as deep as I would have 
based on their reactions and how afraid for his life they are, it doesn't seem like it's a bad enough wound to justify that. Which I understand that the show is not probably wanting to go right into the gory territory. Like, we have to walk this line between making the wound look severe, but also believable that he would be able to heal from it and be, like, up and about a little. Like, by the end of this episode, at least, he if is not about. He's up. Um, but there's a line where Usopp asks Nami where Zoro is bleeding from and she says everywhere and I was like it's really just his chest <laughs> like that's kind of the only the main injury that he's got there's one other small one from the like very tiny knife but otherwise that's really it um and Luffy like I said is just watching all of this and she says somebody needs to go back to uh Baratier is how they're saying it, by the way. Um, and he, she, he says, I'm not really hungry right now. And she's like, there may be a ship's doctor. And he's like, oh, right, 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 right. I'll head back. So we go to the Baratier. And Sanji is chopping a bunch of carrots as Zef comes in going, what the hell are you doing? You're not even supposed to be in my kitchen. You've been demoted. And... Sanji says, Patty's sleeping off a brutal hangover, so unless you want to do brunch prep all by yourself. And you guys, there is just, it's one of those things that's making me go, maybe I should, but maybe I shouldn't. Um, I don't know how many folks listening have also seen the TV show that I can't remember if it went up on uh, Apple TV or if it was HBO, The Bear. Um or it might have been a Hulu original. But uh, the bear is, as far as I am aware, about a chef and the experiences of working in a really high-pressure restaurant atmosphere. And uh, I worked in restaurants for really most of my life. I, I worked in retail for a short time, but mostly I've been in restaurants and that work is so thankless and un- it, there's just something about it that I feel like you have to have a real fucking like something, something wrong with your outlook if you are going to make it in that industry. And uh, I have heard that the bear can be, rather triggering in its depiction of working in that kind of environment. So I haven't watched it because like most of my experiences in kitchens were not good. I had a few like decent experiences, but for the most part, as somebody who suffers from anxiety and who is just not great at like jumping into things without actually being trained which is what's often expected at jobs like that is that you just like pick it up and who really just isn't like I don't thrive in the environment where you get screamed at by a chef there are some people who really are able to like be their best selves when somebody is throwing curse words at them and demanding the best of them that is just so not my 
personality that I hated it. And uh, so I haven't watched the show because I have heard that it can be just a little too real. But this just brief interaction between the two of them about like, what are you doing here? Do you want help prepping for brunch or not? And I love, like, I worked somewhere where we did a brunch and it was such a fucking ball breaker. And everything he does, those carrots are too thick. Those eggs are way too runny. I can tell just by looking at that, the remoulade needs a lot more oregano. And Sanji says, oregano is for savages. And they have a little smile. And I was like, well, is this like, what? what's going on there? And it turns out it's a bit of an inside joke from when they very, very first met. And I kind of love the, the stance that oregano is for savages. Like, oregano absolutely isn't. There are things that it's great in, especially a lot of Mexican food calls for a particular type of oregano. And it's like, really makes such a big difference. But I can understand with the type of food it seems like they are making that oregano would be way too earthy and heavy a flavor for a lot of their recipes. So, you know, while I do not think that his uh, assessment is correct, I do think that based on what they're doing, I could understand having that point of view. Um, but yeah, this is when Luffy busts in. And says, Zoro needs a doctor. He got in a fight with a sword guy and he lost. And Luffy says, "My f when they're like, slow down, I can't understand a word you're saying. I was like, he really wasn't speaking that fast. <laughs> but uh, he says, my friend is dying. And he says, the nearest doctor's on the Konomi Islands, a two-day sail from here. I can't help you. I hope your friend makes it. And, of course, at this point... Zeph is like watching Sanji go and grab some ingredients and stuff and be like, I'm going to go help his friend and saying, well, brunch isn't going to prep itself. And I'm like, you were just whining about him being here, helping you. And now all of a sudden, but yeah, uh, Sanji says, you told me to always feed anyone who's hungry. I don't see how this is any different. And he's going through the cabinet and grabbing stuff. And Zeph says, Fine, bring me kitchen knives and a bottle of our finest whiskey and a fresh yellow yellowtail from the cooler. The bigger, the better. And Sanji has no idea what it is that he is going to do with this yellowtail. I didn't either. And I'm curious if this is an actual remedy. It feels like the kind of thing that is based in reality. Like, I, I have no, like, evidence to base this off of. I just want to be clear on that. But there was a feel for me of like there being a, a sort of understandable science to the means of doing this. So they get into the room with Zoro and he pulls apart this yellow tail and he slices the skin off of it. And it's a really careful, thin job of like pulling the skin and then he lays it on this like pan off to the side that I think is not it's not been heated or anything I think it's just to hold it flat and then he stitches up Zoro's skin which I know that this is not real but watching it makes me sick I hate it so much and then he takes the fish skin 
and he lays it on top of the stitching and he says this is an old seaman's trick the fish skin helps staunch the wounds and heals the flesh a lot faster and this really sounds to me like the fat in it would hold it in place because a lot of the you know the fat in fish is directly below the skin um and i could see that creating a kind of seal and coagulating the blood and keeping it from you know what i mean like that makes a lot of sense to me but i don't know oh 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 florian's here she says fish skin has properties that kill bacteria it can help heal wounds even burnings interesting okay well that's really good to know thank you for uh giving me that because i really was wondering and this is why when i uh the fat thing as well like i love salmon and i when i buy it i tend to get it at sam's club because they have really really big fillets and that way i can do a meal prep and make a bunch of servings at once and they sell it with skin on or skin off and skin off is certainly more convenient in certain ways but i always buy skin on because the fat under the skin is lost when they skin it it's very very lean and the fat is where the flavor all is and it the i've gotten the skin off before and it was such a letdown in comparison to the flavor of the ones that i normally made so i never did it again um but anyway so he says, I'm not going to lie to you. He's lost a lot of blood. It might be too late for him. And, you know, I have to really suspend my disbelief in this bit because he just, I do not believe at all that he has lost that much blood. There was not blood pouring. He, the, the idea that this might have been a mortal wound is just not believable to me. That is not to say that I know anything about medicine and maybe it is, but it just does not feel like it is. You know what I'm saying? So... We then go back to uh, Garp, who has come back to his office to find uh, Mihawk there. And Mihawk just basically tells him, yeah, uh, I found your, your grandson, but I am not going to take him in because I don't know, man, he's got a kind of quality about him that I like. And I think that he might be going on to do some pretty interesting things. And Garp is like, I told you to bring him to me. And Mihawk's like, yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't fucking listen to you guys. I don't take orders. And he's like, you serve at the pleasure of the world government as one of the seven warlords without our immunity. And Mihawk interrupts and says, I would still do precisely what I want. No more and no less. And what I want is to see what becomes of that young man when he enters the Grand Line. Um, and when Garp is like, well, that's not going to happen. He's like, good luck. Because, uh, yeah, I, I sense that boy is going to be like me and just kind of do the shit that he does. And to hell with the rest of you. And maybe he'll even be the one that does find the One Piece. And he strides on out of there. Meanwhile, outside the door, of course, Kobe is just sitting, listening, like crouched. And Garp starts laughing hysterically and just destroys his office. And when he comes out and tells 
Kobe, like, I'm going to be taking my uh, dinner in the mess hall. He has left this terrible disaster for Kobe to clean up. Like, the table's broken. It is a bad... It's he, he thankfully, I was relieved, does apologize to Kobe for it later because I was kind of like, that was a shitty move. Um, so back to the Baratier, uh, Sanji is making food and Usopp is watching while he mumbles. What is, what is the word I want? Oh my God. Nibbles. While he nibbles on some kind of muffin. I think I was combining the words muffin and nibble. Weird. And there's a sort of weird piece of dialogue here where... So Luffy is is preparing Zoro's remaining sword. And is like, I want to have it ready for him when he wakes up. And Usopp gets this look on his face like, how am I going to tell him? And is like, well, there is a chance he might not wake up. And I was like, look... I don't know how to tell you this, Usopp, but Luffy was right there when Zeph made his pronouncement about the fact that Zoro might not make it. He knows that already. It is not your responsibility to, like, keep his expectations low because he knows just as much info as you do. And he is choosing to go this direction with the way that he look like his outlook is always going to be sunnier and more positive. And it would be one thing if he hadn't been there and, you know, Usopp was like, well, I should probably relay this unpleasant information, but he was right there. So, you know, and Sanji is offering to cook Luffy anything he wants. And Luffy is just like, no, I don't really need anything, which is just going to show how kind of like off feeling Luffy is at the moment. Uh, he says, if you don't want fish, I have some two inch thick T-bones in the uh, cooler, or maybe you're in the mood for saffron risotto. I'm going to need to take a pause here, guys, because look, <sighs> Zoro is so fine. So, so fine. But this man standing here offering to make such a wide variety of dishes with a grin on his face, like he would love nothing more than to do just that. I have got to say that was probably hotter than Zorro. The, the energy that he brings to this role of there, there just being a sort of like sauciness. And I mean that very punnily the accent, which uh, really, really does something for him. And just this whole here to serve sort of vibe. Ooh, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, Florian said, Zoro is one night stand, Sanji is husband. We see him shirtless later this episode as well. That's true. Yeah, he fine. And uh, also, I've got to admit that somehow kickboxing does it more for me than swords. I'm not really sure why that is. I think there's just something in me that has always responded to grappling versus weapons. Like, 
hand to hand is hotter usually to me. I actually had a dream. I was telling Owen uh, that I was I in the dream I was dating Heath Ledger, who was a boxer. He was not an actor. He was a boxer in this dream. And I said to Owen, it was a pretty good dream. And Owen said, not too good, I hope. And I said, no, there was no sex. It was just him beating on guys. And that was plenty. <laughs> so, yeah, kicks uh, kicks, and cooking. I don't know. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, he says that he wants to have the sword ready for him. The Wada Ichi Monkey, which I don't remember that name. But I, you know, or maybe he got it wrong. Uh, and he's when he says the sword has a name, sword it just says why. And he says, I don't know. He said it was kind of special. Um, can you cook Zoro's favorite food? Sure. What does he like? And he says he really likes rice balls. He also likes beer. How about rice balls soaked in beer? Can you make that? And then I want him to eat so that he gets back his strength but i also want him to sleep so that his wounds can heal but maybe he just needs some water right after all that fighting he must be awfully thirsty but you know he's also probably tired so so yeah maybe we, we should just let him rest and i liked him going all over the place here with just not really knowing what it is he wants thinking out loud and there being a general sense of like frenetic desperation. Um, and Sanji says being a captain is the hardest job in the world. And Zeph once told me that making decisions was the, what separated the captain from the rest of the crew. And this is news to Luffy that he used to be a pirate. And he says, did you serve on his crew? How did you meet? And we get to see exactly how this went down. So the, Sanji was brought up and we don't see his parents. I don't believe that this is, you know, anybody related to him that he's speaking with, but uh, he is working on a, dish in the kitchen even though he looks like he's 11 here maybe um when he's supposed to be bussing tables and evidently this is another like ship that's actually a restaurant and he mentions here the old all blue which this dude is like it doesn't exist it's just a tale that cooks tell to pass the time so then they get boarded he hears gunshots and uh i just always think about this like this was a genuine thing that people had to deal with the the sound of somebody like they're up they're below decks and they hear that some shit is popping off and they the panic that you must feel and you're trapped you're in this like tiny little you know there's no getting away just what a nightmare that is and uh here comes Zeph, but he's got both feet and they really emphasize that by showing only his feet as he walks into the room. And he comes up and, and tastes one of the sauces. And I love this, guys. He's got one of those uh, 
I can't remember what the name is. I keep wanting to say Bolero, but they usually hold like extra bullets. Bandolier, I think that's what it's called, right? And instead of bullets, it's got vials of herbs and spices on it. So he tastes the sauce and he says it needs more oregano and pulls a vial out and pours the oregano into the sauce. And this is this is the thing. Not being attacked, not, you know, potentially friends of his above decks being injured. It's the, the fucking with his sauce that sends Sanji over the edge and he comes running out and is, he yells, oregano is for savages. And when he says, how do you want to die? Uh, Sanji replies, I'd rather die than have you season my food. <laughs> uh, and then when he, when he says, you made that, that's pretty good. Sanji says, better than anything you can make, you old shit pack. <laughs> Honestly, guys, this was a really... I loved getting to see that he used this language with him from the very beginning. Like, there's something about it. This is this is, didn't spring up between them as they grew affectionate with each other and then would lose their temperature or temperature their temper this is just how they were from the start i don't know why but this really made everything so much better um and all of a sudden there is a like connection between the two of them where Sanji mentions that he's going to be going to the all blue. And so because he he isn't worried, he's not going to die here. He still has a goal ahead of him that he has to reach. And just as Zeph is asking him, what do you know about the all blue? We have an external shot of a huge wave and the ship going over. And then Sanji wakes up. And they are on this weirdo island. It's such a strangely, like, I am assuming the way this had gone was that a wave cast them up there. So there isn't an easy way for them to get back down again. Um, but it is absolutely nothing but rock. There's no plants. There's no dirt. And the thing that we had that we have seen in the show happens where he is given a uh, bag of food it looks like Zeph is keeping the bigger bag for himself because he's three times his size and he says you go sit on the other side of this island and don't bother me unless you see a ship and I mean it and they split up. We have the passage of time with Sanji very carefully parceling out his food and gradually beginning to dwindle. And he then goes a couple of days without food and he begins to really suffer. And he finally says to himself, well, he has way more food than me. He still must have some left. And he picks up a knife and he decides that he is going to go over there and kill this man and take some of that food for himself. 
And when he gets over there and breaks the bag open, there's nothing in it but, like, treasure. And there's something I love about the fact that he... That, that they have all of this treasure and that it's absolutely worthless. You know, it's all this gold and stuff that anywhere else would be worth everything. But they can't do anything with it. And it makes me think of that uh, that old bumper sticker. Only when all of the forests are cut and all of the seas and lakes are dry and, you know everything that we can live on is gone will people finally realize that you can't eat money and it's a little cliche at this point but i mean there's such truth to that you know um so he stalks over and is like how are you still alive you had all this food and how like i thought you did and what the fuck and then he sees that Zeph's leg is missing below the knee and that there is a flat rock with smears of blood and muscle on it. And he puts it together right away. You ate it. You ate your own leg. And <laughs> Zeph has just like got his eyes closed like, I really don't want to talk about this. And he says, you gave me all the food. Why? You don't even know me. Why would you do that for a stranger? And Zeph starts crying, you guys. And he says, because little eggplant, you, you know, mentioned the all blue and I have been searching for it for ages for my whole life. And if one of us is going to make it like my time is pretty much over here. You have got to go out there and search for it. We, sh we share the same dream and one of us has got to make it a reality. So I want you to really like never lose hope. The all blue is real. And if I can't find it, then you have to. And yeah, this, uh, it's really like, there's something about knowing that he had this moment in this speech that he made the sacrifice, but then that he winds up surviving after all, like, how do you ever pay back that kind of debt? That's nuts, you know? And Sanji says, do you have any idea what it's like having someone lose a limb to save your life? And Usopp, or not Usopp, Luffy says, actually, I do. And I'm like, you know, you do. And I am not at all trying to diminish Shanks' sacrifice. He lost an arm. That's a big deal. But I will say, it is a whole different level when that sacrifice is made so deliberately and done by your own hand, you know, fighting against something and it gets the better of you and takes your arm like, yeah, that blows. But also there's a part of it that for me, that's like, 
if they could have avoided doing that, you know what I mean? Like this was Zeph taking a weapon of his own and hacking off his own. Like, this is just a complete, this is a, just a completely different level. Um, sorry. Florian says I could never, well, not to, uh, out me too much eat yeah but cutting it off myself nope honestly same i feel like you get hungry to a point where it's not gonna like even register for you that this is your own flesh like what what would that even matter after a certain point but having to chop off your own leg i mean first of all it's just the, the leverage would be so bad that you know you would have to do this with several hacks. That's not going to happen with just one clean slice. I am assuming that he had a weapon because he had this treasure. But, you know, what if he had to use like a fucking rock or something? And then there's also the possibility that if you don't like prepare it well enough, you are going to wind up losing blood and dying from the cut before you even get any chance to like eat. Um, so yeah, just the, the whole thing. It's just so horrible. And I also will confess to you guys that I have had it in my head that I am, you know, the, the leg, I cut it off and then I like put it over a nice fire and roast it up. He's eating that shit raw. There's no fire. There's no indication of any wood, anything that you can make a fire with. So he is just eating the raw flesh, which even if it's not my flesh, eating meat raw is revolting to me. I, I can't do it. So bleh, no, 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 no. And Sanji says we were out there for 85 days and he could have let me die. Instead, he acted like a captain. He made the tough call. And... <laughs> Luffy says I'd eat both arms and legs to save Zoro's life. And he just says this and, and both Sanji and Usopp look sort of uncertain, but I'm like, I don't, I don't doubt him for a second. He definitely means that shit. Um, so we go to Nami who is reading a story to Zoro. It's the story of Mont Blanc Noland. So uh, we're getting a little bit of setup for that whole thing, apparently. Okay, I'm, I'm down for that. Um, and, you know, just the general, like, overall tale about being sentenced to death. He never stopped lying until he was dead. And Luffy says, as he comes in, can you imagine that losing a whole city of gold? And she says, I don't think that was the point of the story to which Luffy says stories can have lots of points. And I was like, that is very, very true. He's not wrong on that. Um, but yeah, when he comes in, there's a real strong vibe that she is displeased with him. And Luffy says, why did the king have to kill him? And she says, sometimes when you're in charge, you have to make the tough decisions. And Luffy says, why does everybody keep saying that? And she says, because you could have saved Zoro. You didn't have to let him fight Mihawk. 
and you should you could have tried to change his mind and when he says that he would never do that she's like would you rather see him like this he's like that's not it the thing is that becoming the best swordsman was his dream and that is the only thing that i won't stand in the way of and she says everybody has dreams but you have to outgrow them and he's like is that what you think isn't there something you want something more than anything else in the world and she gets really teary-eyed and she says not everyone gets to follow their dreams and she leaves you know i am not like i i know that sometimes a character like nami can get like a little bit tiresome as a viewer because you want everybody to be on board with this really bright happy sunny character who believes in the best of everyone and so it can be difficult when there's somebody who's constantly trying to bring it all crashing back down to earth but knowing what we know about Nami's circumstances, all of this is completely in keeping with the way that she has to look at the world these days. It makes total sense. Um, so, let's see. I'm going back really quick to uh, Kobe talking to Garp. And garp saying maybe you're right. Maybe I, I've been going about this the wrong way all along. And muster the Marines on deck. I'll address them at afternoon watch. And uh, what Kobe had said to him was basically like, he's never going to not be try and be a pirate. Like, I don't even think he can. There is just one way that he knows how to live. And that is it. And then we get this weird, like visual that I was having so much trouble processing of something speeding toward the water or speeding on the top of the water toward the Baratier. And I was just like, what is this? And it's Arlong and two of his cronies. The one that I kept thinking of as being like a backstreet boy with a bad lip job. And the one with the little pigtails that stick straight out up off his head. And I can't tell you guys how delighted because that, meant Arlong is our villain for this round instead of fucking uh, Don Krieg. You guys know I wasn't really sure. Don Krieg seemed to be dead. I was I was pretty sure, but I also didn't know how like what they would fill in for him. And when I realized that Arlong was here, that this is how this was going to go. I, what? Oh my God, you guys, I really cannot express to you all how incredibly hilarious it is to me that the writers of this show were like, yeah, we're just not going to do that. Cause he sucks. Like he's just so lame. All we need to do is show literally one instance of him getting to use his wild like weapons and you guys will all get the picture because he is such a one note villain 
that that's all we need to show you for you to get the whole fucking picture. And now we're done and we can just move on. And I got to be real with y'all. I, there are like some other things in the future that I'm sort of like, Ooh, I wonder if they'll cut back on some of this and that as well, because I would be fine with that if they, if they, you know, like pulled back on certain other stories that I found to be sort of either tedious or just a little puzzling or whatever. And what it's an interesting thing because, you know, the anime is a different medium than the manga, obviously, but it is trying to stay pretty true to the manga, barring some like other more like changes like the one where they decide that what it's going to be is that Zeph lost his leg in the wreck, not that he ate his leg. Um, so that whole thing, like I, already understand the wanting to stay as true to the source material as possible but it's really fascinating to then get to see what netflix can do because they are boiling down source material that has existed for a long time and in retrospect they can tell exactly what's going to be important and what they can trim and what they can't because the deal with manga it's very similar to like any comic series where, and I, when I talk about comic series, I don't necessarily mean like major names, like X-Men, things like that. I'm talking about like, if you are writing a um, independent, like, you know, and any sort of graphic novel and it comes out once a month or at any sort of schedule, depending on how you're writing it, you don't have a big storyboard with every plot beat already figured out. And from what I understand with the way that Oda writes, he has so much going on and has been writing the series for so long that occasionally I have heard he will like fuck up and a certain character that everybody thought was dead will like accidentally show up again because he forgot that they were dead or just like weird shit where it's kind of all over the place sometimes because it is just such a long running series that they have demanded to be consistently put out with like no breaks for such a long time that it's a bit overwhelming. So with the anime trying to keep pace with the manga, instead of the anime falling back and letting the manga get well ahead of it, it's at the same disadvantage in a lot of ways. They can't really anticipate what's going to be significant and not because it's coming out like at nearly the same time. And so the Netflix series has a massive advantage where they're able to look back and be like oh yeah this and that arc like these things wind up being true hundreds literally hundreds of episodes later so we'll just do that now and tighten that whole thing up and you know we'll be able to like see what was happening at the same time which is something that we'll get to hear about later but we didn't see and i have like a feeling like this series the live action series is what would have happened 
if Oda had been given more like time to write and plan ahead without the kinds of pressure to constantly be producing that were on him, he was so, I know that he was really, really involved with the development of the script for the live action as well. So I know that this has got his seal of approval and it makes total sense. I'm sure that he looks at his own work and is frustrated by the fact that he was constrained in such specific ways by the medium and the way expectations were laid out for it, that there's probably a part of him that really, really enjoys getting to pull parts of the story that wind up being really important and just dropping other stuff. You know, um, I just find this really, really interesting to, to watch unfold. So Arlong, he is very menacing. I enjoy him a lot. And the, when he comes in and he sees that the man who is the Mater D is a fish man, he's just dripping in disdain for the whole thing. And we find out here that uh, the fishmen are made servants of the humans, which is something that we hear about much, much later with the whole thing that happens in the arc that I'm in now, really, about them being captured and sold as slaves and stuff. But this was not something that I think we were told at all in this point in the arc. It seemed like, you know, for, for my part, I was sort of like, well, the fishmen are so much stronger than humans. How could they ever be gotten as slaves? Like, how would that even work? But now I understand more about the way that industry happened. So, uh, yeah, this is just like, again, another sort of tightening up of this whole storyline and the the world building around it as well so these three take a seat at a table and uh zeph comes out and he says i own this place and arlong says i own uh the east blue and zeph is just like Oh my God, this guy with the lips. They don't do it quite as extreme as the one in the the anime, but it's clear that it's the same guy and it's very fun. Um, so he says, I'm looking for Luffy. He has something that belongs to me, a kid with a straw hat. And Zeph says, well, I don't know him, but I'll give you anything off the restaurant menu you want free of charge. But Arlong says, look, I've got a meal here. And he nods because like he made some people leave their table so that he could sit. But if you don't bring me the straw hat kid, I am going to add one of your patrons here to the menu. And I don't know if he actually ate people like for real, but I just like the idea in in my head canon, he doesn't eat people and he's just like pretending that he does in order to terrify the humans because they don't know enough to like, you know what I mean? Like the sort of thing where 
people who are ignorant and bigoted will be willing to believe the worst of a person that is different that they don't understand. So you just decide to lean into that for the sheer terror of it. Um, <laughs> I love, we go then to Luffy trying to talk to Zoro and being like, Hey, Zoro, what's up? He's trying to talk to him. And then let me start over. Hi, Zoro. Hi. And then a long pause, you know, it's, <laughs> and finally Nami interrupts. Thank God, because this was so awkward to watch. So they all meet in the kitchen. Sanji is here and she explains that Arlong is looking for you and he's looking for the map. Those fishmen will tear this place apart if Zef doesn't turn it over. So Sanji, of course, is like, well, if the Baratie is in danger, then I need to be there. And she's like, do you guys not hear me? They, we have got to run. These guys are very strong. And of course, Usopp is in total concert with her. But uh, Sanji, who has no problem mixing it up. He, when Luffy says, we're going to protect this place. And Sanji says, why would you do that? And Luffy says, you fed us. And you can see Sanji being very touched. It's a really cute little moment. The look he gets on his face. Uh, it's, he messed with us first. So I can't let innocent people get hurt because of me. If those fishmen guys want to fight, then we'll give them a fight. And... I'm going to have to speed this up. I just really wanted to like talk about all of the setup here because I really liked the way it's done. And he says, Zoro is going to be safe with you. I'll leave and I'll leave you with the map, which, uh, the whole way that this goes, it's so painful to watch you guys. It really, really is. I hate this. Um, we have the confrontation and the reveal that buggy is being kept just his head in a bag. And he says that the fishmen persuaded me to point them in the right direction. And Luffy is like, well, how did you even know where we were? And he says, I told you I've got eyes and ears everywhere. And then all of a sudden, there's this awful graphic, like CGI, of an ear that he had hidden in the band of Luffy's hat. I can't, you guys. This is so, this is so hilarious. I love it. What a great bit. I don't know if this is something that ever happened in the, in the show that I, like, just have forgotten. But it doesn't ring a bell for me. And... Luffy looks really hurt and says, you heard everything? And Buggy says, everything, which got old quick because you shittiots have no idea what you're doing. And he says, hey, Lips, how about a scratch behind the ear, huh? And Lips picks his head up and just puts it in the bag. Not the bag. It's so dark and wet and sandy. <laughs> Oh man, this guy is a good buggy. Um, so 
of course, Arlong trying to make Luffy an offer and Luffy is like, I don't bow to any man. And he's like, well, I'm not a man. And he's like, well, I don't bow to fish either. And you're definitely not a king. You know, yada, yada, yada. And then Zeph jumps in and he just shoots Arlong and it has no effect whatsoever. And Arlong gets his ass beat by this guy with the little pigtails, which causes Sanji to jump in in spectacular fashion. Now, he's definitely like on wires and stuff. I don't care. It's wonderful to watch. I'm 100% into this. And the the way that he like his foot comes to a complete stop when he gets the uh, his he lands on the shoulder of pigtails guy truly alarming you're just like oh no meanwhile Usopp is out here just like hiding under tables and stuff it's very fun so now we've got Luffy throwing himself around and I don't know why I thought that he was going to somehow catch Arlong by surprise because Buggy knows all about what Luffy's power is and he's told everything to Arlong so of course, Arlong is aware of what Luffy's capable of, and he is not having any effect. Arlong is able to like catch his punches and just really, there is a sense of invulnerability to him that I think is a real great imitation of the way the anime did it. Because I recall feeling overwhelmed at the fact that nothing anybody did to Arlong seemed to have any effect at all. He just was like a fucking tank, you know? Um, so meanwhile, as this is all happening, we go back to Nami and she is talking to Zoro who is still out. And she says, you asked me why I don't have any friends. And the truth is I didn't let myself have any because I always wind up hurting the people closest to me. And she heads on out with the map and then she goes up to Arlong and she gives him the map and is just like, you don't have to worry about this kid anymore. Don't bother. And Arlong is like, all right, let me just kill him. And she says, why bother killing him when you could just let the sea do the work for you? He's a devil fruit eater self-explanatory so Arlong tosses him over the side and Luffy goes down and he is going really down sinking like a fucking stone and then all of a sudden somebody leaps into the water to save him and of course it's Sanji who apparently can swim like a fish which makes sense and y'all I was really wondering if Arlong like didn't just didn't notice but they can travel really fast above water the way that they sort of seem to water ski. So I'm willing to bet that they took off pretty quickly. And poor Luffy, as soon as he's pulled out of the water, there's no like, thanks guys, what's happening? Instead, he says, where's Nami? And, you know, we had seen the tattoo on her arm and everything. She is a member of Arlong's crew. And like Florian mentioned... We've got Sanji shirtless in the background here, looking like a fucking marble statue. I 
guys, truly, really something to see. <laughs> Goddamn. Um, so we go back then to Garp, and he is calling the Marines to attention. Marines! You've done an outstanding job pursuing the pirates we've been chasing. I'm proud of your efforts to apprehend these miscreants, but I've underestimated their resolve, their determination to flaunt their illegal activities. They are becoming more than a nuisance and must be treated as such. Our mission has changed. No more half measures. No more soft targets. The straw hats and their captain will never surrender. So the gloves are coming off. We will capture them. And they will be brought to justice. And I was sort of confused here because... What half measures had they been taking to begin with? He was trying to capture them. I didn't... Like, he calls in a warlord. He shoots cannons at their ship. I'm not getting exactly what he means, practically speaking, will change. And Kobe is having, like, a very acute, upset reaction as if he knows what this means. And I'm like, I don't you heard him send a warlord after this dude. Like I genuinely don't understand what the point of this even is. So if Florian is saying the Marines, this episode were kind of meh. Yeah. I feel like they're trying to do something here because they need to be giving these characters, these actors, a certain amount of screen time every episode, but there's only so much to really be done. So they're having them like kind of make the same they're having the same conversations over and over because there's not a lot that they can move forward with. And I don't know. It just feels kind of tedious because like Kobe keeps having to look panicked, even though I'm like, this is the same. You knew this already, you know? Um, so anyway, we go back into the Baratier and Zeph is out here just trying to clean up. And it is a, a really like, you know, He's trying to do this with his one leg. He's got a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, he's got a crutch. It seems like the leg itself is damaged. And he's telling Sanji to get out of the restaurant. And I don't need your help cleaning up. I did not save you so that you could waste your life at Baratier. And Sanji says, it's not like I can just leave. You couldn't run this place without me. And he says, your cooking is for shit. And I'm like, you know, it's not. So I guess he's just discouraging him in order to, you know, get him out on the road. If the all blue means so much to you, go find it. You want me to quit? Is that what you want? And Zeph says quitting is staying here. And I really, really liked that line. Sanji says, well, Chore Boy offered me a spot on his crew, so maybe I'll take him up on it. And Zev says, if you're looking for my permission, you've got it. And Sanji just yells, fine, and throws the plates down and kicks a chair out of the way and stalks up out of there. 
So we go to Luffy talking to Zoro and Zoro wakes up and says, I had the strangest dream that Nami left. And uh, it's a really like, you know, I'm sad for him. The whole like concept of being out and missing all of this and waking up and finding out that she like genuinely left. What a bummer. Because it's not like they were close, but they were more in line on their thinking on everything than they were with Luffy for the most part. So I could see feeling like you were starting to make a bit of a connection and then just be like, oh, okay. Um, so this scene ends with Luffy saying, we are going after Nami. And they begin loading up the ship with provisions I love Usopp being like, uh, are you, do you think that we're bringing like too much with us? And Zoro going, do you remember what this dude is like and how much he can eat? And Usopp's like, yeah, okay. And then here comes Sanji climbing onto the ship in his fucking double breasted suit. And I just am so excited about getting to see like the dynamic between him and Zoro because Zoro all he says is why are we bringing the waiter <laughs> so you know the way that they snark at each other in the anime I'm very much looking forward to seeing uh so they cast off and we get our kind of like last moment as the going Mary begins to pull away from the dock. Zeph is standing there and Sanji sees him and starts to just walk away without saying anything. Cause he's feeling kind of hurt, but Zeph calls after him and he says, Hey, Sanji, you keep your feet dry. It's a, such a nothing line and then Sanji says goodbye and starts to walk away and then he says you know all these years living under your shitty roof cooking at your shitty restaurant I owe you my life and thank you for putting up with my shit all these years old man and he seems so emotional. His acting here is really good, you guys. He, like, really looks like he's going to completely lose it. And he just yells, I'll never forget you, Zeph. And it's just a really nice delivery of those lines. I thought it was really well done. And uh, Zeph just holds his hand up. And that's their goodbye. I really wanted Zeph to be like, your food was amazing. I was lying. But he doesn't say that. So we are on the, the wide open ocean here and everybody is starting to be like, oh shit, our adventure, it's really popping off. And what are we going to do with Nami and all of this? And everybody gathers below decks. And then Luffy is like, I have something for us to help us find our way. And he opens the bag and it's fucking buggy, his head in the bag and he looks around and says, hello, boys, and is grinning ear to ear until he notices that he's not really getting the warmest reception. And then his mouth just like kind of turns down and he's like, oh, 
Okay, well, and that's the way the episode ends. So, uh, so yeah, another good one. This is a real good one. But yeah, the Marines are definitely sort of like treading water, I feel like. Um, so hopefully they'll find something more to do with them next episode. Um, all right, I got to wrap up. Thank you again, Gabby, so much for commissioning the series. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, everybody listening. I hope you're enjoying the coverage. I'm really enjoying watching it. And until next time, toodaloo, motherfuckers. Spoiled Network Podcast.